0: Welcome to the podcast, I'm Aislein. And I'm Gracie. And this is a podcast where we watch movies and then we discuss them and then we put the movie to both feminist and inclusive tests.
1: Yes, and this is still Canadian month. You know, we've watched a couple of movies now. We're on movie number three, and the movie this week is called Where the Spirit Lives, which is a television movie that came out in 1989.
0: Now, the reason why we're doing this movie is because uh, I think it brings up some pretty uh, a topic that is very difficult to talk about, uh, but a very important topic uh, in the history of Canada. It is referred to as Canada's, you know, uh, dark, um, dark secret or dirty little secret. Um, and that is, um, residential schools.
1: Yes. And, uh, I, I had heard of residential schools before cause, uh, the U S had them. Um, but I had actually heard more about the residential schools for aborigine people in Australia. So, okay. um, it's, It's a stain on every inch of uh you know colonialism. (laughs) Yeah. Like British colonialism is the reason that we had residential schools in those three majority white countries and uh it's it's so it's
0: fucked up. In Canada, uh between eighteen thirty one and nineteen ninety six, which was very fucking recently, uh residential schools operated in Canada through arrangements between the government of Canada and the church. And, uh, their one common objective divine defined this period. And that was the assimilation of Aboriginal children to white culture.
1: Uh, the way they worded it here was kill the Indian, you know, save the man. Yeah. So yeah, that, that tells you, uh, the kind of shit we're going to talk about. So it, uh, it's, it's, it's not going to be a fun episode. I mean, we'll crack some jokes because there are some points that are, you know, kind of funny, uh, but the movie itself pissed me off really bad. I texted Ashlyn when we were 10 minutes into it, and I was like, oh, my God, I hate this movie already. Like, I didn't hate the movie. I just hated the history that inspired the movie. Um, well, yeah, because this is the first um, the first movie that kind of represented this story. Right. All right. So uh, I'll give you a few stats Um, because it was a TV movie. There's no uh, budget. Um, I don't think I looked up the Rotten Tomatoes score, so we don't have that. But there's no budget or box office. Um, It came out in 1989. It was directed by Bruce Pittman, which one of his most notable uh, films is Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. Uh, and uh, it's funny. Wow. It's 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 only funny to me because I listened to the podcast. How did this get made? And they just put out an episode about that movie. And here we are doing uh, a really good movie where Prom Night Two is like a campy, not great movie. Like it's it's campy, you know. Um, well, yeah. Like compared to you know, like the different.
0: Like, he's actually won awards, but that is for Where the Spirit Lives and uh, Shattered City, the Halifax Explosion. Like, that's where he's
1: won awards, not for Hello, Mary Lou. Exactly. Um, uh, The music was by Buffy St. Marie, um, and we bring her up because she is an activist, and she also is the only indigenous person to win an academy award and she won it for best original song for her work for uh, an officer and a gentleman, which I think is a Richard Gere movie from the early eighties. So, yep.
0: And that was song she co-wrote uh, up where we belong. Yeah. Um, I also want to mention about her. Um, she, like we said, she's been in an activist for many, many years. Uh, she was on the forefront of um, the Native American movement during the 1970s, where they had kind of their own um, civil rights kind of movement. Um, she also appeared a few times on Sesame Street, uh, where she breastfed her first son in the 1977 episode, which is believed to be the first representation of breastfeeding ever to air on TV. Damn, girl. Get yeah. It. So and I, I've actually seen her perform in concert. She's amazing. And I just she she's an inspiration. She's just she's just done so much. We really can't go into it. Um, but like take a little look about all the shit she has done. I'm
1: so sorry.
0: <laughs> I just you. Um, but she was also blacklisted uh, by American radio stations in the nineteen seventies Um, along with other Native Americans, because of um, her activism. And uh, it turns out she found out 10 years later that President Lyndon B. Johnson was writing letters to uh, radio stations, um, praising them for suppressing her music.
1: That does not surprise me. Yeah. Uh, When we discussed the 13th, we talked about how uh, the establishment really fucking hated people that were... Uh, liberal or progressive or people of color, so doesn't surprise me at all. Um, now, it stars a few people. Uh, most notably is Michelle St. John who plays Comey, and she was the voice of Pocahontas' best friend in the Disney film, Pocahontas, which we are going to be doing, I think, later this year? Yep. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, we're doing our a month. princesses of color, so yeah that's gonna be fun um she was also in a movie called smoke signals uh also starred clayton julian as pita he didn't really do anything after this movie but he did upload this movie on youtube for everybody to watch <laughs> so thanks clayton yeah,
0: which we um, appreciate
1: we do that's that's the only way i was gonna be able to watch it uh Ron White plays Taggart. Ron White is not the comedian from the Blue Collar Comedy Tour because that's what I thought when I saw his name across the oh, screen. Okay, um, wow. It's a different Ron White. Uh, but he was in movies like Screamers and a Joan of Arc miniseries, but he passed away last year. Um, oh. And then we have Anne Marie McDonald who plays Kathleen. And she was in a movie that I have seen called I've Heard the Mermaid Singing, which is about two lesbians and an art gallery. So, <laughs> and it's a good movie. Highly recommend it. I really enjoyed it.
0: I actually um, haven't seen that movie, but...
1: But Ashlyn hasn't seen it, so I was like, well, guess what's going on the roster for uh, uh, LGBT month, which before we uh, get into talking about the movie... Um, we're actually not going to refer to it as LGBTQA month anymore. We're going to call it GSM month because GSM stands for gender and or sexuality minority. And it's a little more inclusive than just adding a plus sign. Yeah. So we're going to we're going to call it GSM from now on. Uh, so movie, let's get into it. Yeah. Uh, um,
0: OK, so. This movie starts off uh, with showing scenes of, uh, of nature and uh, um, First Nations village. Um, mm-hmm. And then we see that a plane lands in the water and oh, comes co- up. T-
1: you completely missed where Comey's friend gets her first period.
0: Oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. <laughs>
1: Uh, but Comey gets her, Comey's friend gets her first period and then you see a uh, becoming a woman ceremony, essentially, like when a woman, you know, it's like she's a woman now, she's got her first bleeding and that that's vital only because it comes up later on in the plot. And yeah. Comey's upset because she's not a woman and all I could think was, girl, you can hold off on that.
0: Oh, no, you, well, don't you know, what's to- so funny, though, like, well, not funny, uh, but like. I don't know if anybody else out there ever, like, had that feeling when you found out, like, your friend had their first period, and you were like, well, I need to get mine soon. Like, isn't it about time? Like, I couldn't wait to get my first period for some ungodly reason. Well, yeah, you know what? It it was, uh, I guess... When I got my first, uh, period, I was actually at my dad's house when my parents were separated and my mom was so disappointed because she wanted to be there, uh, to kind of help me out. And like, you know, she wasn't at that point. And, uh, I ended up getting like this really massive maxi pad from my uh, dad's girlfriend at the time. Like it was, I just remember being so fucking big. (laughs)
1: No, because it was like one of those thick ass ones. Like they no, don't have. No, for real. Like I can't wear tampons. Like I know this no. is a little off topic, but I, I, very uncomfortable. Because it's I a feminist
0: podcast, so we got to talk about our period. Able.
1: Yeah, right. Like we're not smearing our period blood all over our face, like some people. Like um. that's that's not hygienic. I'm sorry, it's just not. Um. It's pure. No, it's not go stuff your jade egg in your vagina somewhere else okay stop listening to what's her face
0: okay um,
1: <laughs> yeah so
0: but no I feel the same way I like I can't wear tampons either so but um, I, I like those thin ones
1: so I feel like- um, anyway she sees her best friend do this and she's like oh I want to be a woman and every woman that's watching her is like no you don't baby don't grow up yet <laughs> Uh, but then this plane ends up landing, and this guy Taggart gets out, and all the kids line up because they're you know they're curious about seeing this this plane, and he gives them all like a piece of candy cane or something, yeah. And then he's like, "Hey, you want to get in the plane and look around?" And then he shuts the door, and like Comey's mom or. Uh, I guess I guess it's Comey's mom comes yeah. running out, and she's like, "No, you can't take them." But she's speaking in native in her native language, so yeah, you know. And uh, he's like, "Listen, lady, you know this is 1937, and uh, we're gonna, you know, bring these kids into the 20th century. Stop living like savages." Ugh. Yeah, it's
0: very. Uh yeah so like his character he works for the government of Canada and he is essentially goes around it. get it, yeah he kidnaps children to bring to schools so that they can be assimilated uh through residential schools yeah
1: so and they give him kind of a weird arc later and it's just like ugh. Uh, yeah yeah <laughs> Um, So they try to separate Peta and Comey after they, um, you know, land and get off this train. Um, By the way, this is all
0: set in Alberta. Um, So they end up uh, in Fort uh, Mm McLeod. And that's off, you know, they get off the train and uh, there's like uh, different ministries that, you know, take care of all these different schools. So it's almost like they're... I, like they're like oh I want that kid and that kid to come to my school like it's a little fucked
1: up yeah you know what? what's crazy right this movie set place in the 1930s and what else is going on in the 1930s in Germany you know like oh, fuck shit. you know like in Germany of course was drastically different in the sense that instead of a cultural genocide it was an actual genocide but there were a lot of similarities, I thought, from the way that they gather the kids and then separate them, you know, like like they would do when you got to a camp. They would put you in one line or the other, you know? And it's just, ugh, oh, it's insane. Um, but anyway, PETA and Comey end up going together to the same <coughs> residential school, thankfully. And it's only because Comey keeps hold of PETA the whole time and refuses to let them get separated. But they get to the new school, and they get put through a hellish bath, and they get their hair cut and forced into these clothes, and all of their native clothing is, you know, taken away to be burned. It's...
0: It's horrifying.
1: Yeah, and then, like, someone refers to her as a marvelous creature, which is dehumanizing language, and I'm like, man, fuck. And at this point, we're, like, only 15 minutes into the movie, so I'm like already livid. It's going to be a long. I well, I do wonder though if that
0: was like the intention of the movie to make it almost like it is um the concentration camps, right?
1: Yeah, I think it I think it made its point that this was dehumanizing in a form of yeah. genocide. Like because it's it, you know, that's the, that's my takeaway of it was like this was just genocide in the sense that they were completely stripped of their individuality and forced to partake in things that they, you know, didn't really need to take part of all because Christians thought that it was a great idea, you know, like when you force your religion on somebody else and don't give them a choice about it. Like,
0: so all this is all happening. Uh, we also see um, Kathleen who, um, you know, shows up and she also, you know, goes along because she's going to be the new teacher yeah. um, at, at the school that... Uh, ashto ashto comey is going to yeah. um and and uh the way she's kind of like she's you know bright-eyed and bushy-tailed sort of you know like i'm gonna do good for society i came all the way from cape breton nova scotia and here I'm gonna i am be a, I'm gonna be a
1: white savior
0: <laughs> I, that's kind of how it felt yeah yeah
1: yeah, and I thought it was going to be that kind of movie. I was like, "Oh man, it's freedom riders all over again." <laughs> like, um, uh, but yeah, so what I really thought was interesting is you see the juxtaposition of how the teachers live compared to the students. Like hmm. the students get very they small like meals. Her. Well, they that, look
0: like it's almost like Oliver Twist. Yeah, you know, in the in the eighteen fifties. Yet the you know the teachers are living in pretty much luxury and eating oh, man, like they you know the best cut the best cuts of meat and stuff and you hear these kids are having you know mushy porridge and beans and shit
1: yeah like it's there i thought that was an interesting juxtaposition now call me on you know she sees her brother when they get herded into the cafeteria because that's an, the only way to describe how they were pushed in there and uh they they get put in the cafeteria and then this one girl calls her a bush indian and then fights her and i think her name was edith um yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know she bullies her oh. but then comey fights back well that's but the then, thing
0: uh that we didn't mention they're given new names oh yeah so, and uh, comey name is, is given yeah and then her brother is named abraham so it's but. very religious white names
1: yeah, and I'm just gonna stick to calling her Comey, because that's what yep. I called her in my notes, because that exactly. was her name. Um, so, anyway, she and Edith get into a fight, but then Comey's the one that gets punished. Um, but Comey does mean a new friend in Rachel, and uh, after sh- her solitary confinement, because fuck those people, she gets dragged into class, and it's Kathleen's first day on the job, and what are they reading? But the rhyme of the ancient mariner.
0: <laughs> and that's the thing. Like Comey does not speak English.
1: No, but she's forced she, to be in this class.
0: Yeah. So she she has no idea what the fuck's going on. Um, and she's expected. Uh, and if she even talks in her own language, uh, she gets in trouble.
1: Yeah, like, solitary confinement. They stayed away a lot from the beatings, but I'm pretty sure getting a beating was definitely a major, often, like, I'm sure it happened on a daily basis, if you were Well, dogs, yeah, uh, so... they I, were going to beat the fuck out of you and, you know, make you stop one way or the well, other. Well, I,
0: I watched a few uh, documentaries about um, the residential school system, uh, and yeah, beatings and, um, and punishment. Uh, there was, it was something that happened quite often, um, in, in that system to the children. And I mean, yeah, they were fucking children.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, for American audiences, I don't know if anyone has ever seen the movie, the education of a little tree, but it's very similar in its approach. Um, it's, I remember watching that movie as a kid, and I remember loving it as a kid, and it's been a while, but I'm almost 100% sure that it was also about residential schools before the U.S., so, um, if I'm wrong, you can always call me out on it, but I'm pretty sure that was it, um, so there are, there are other movies besides this one to look into, um, So one of the, one of the things that got me was during this scene with the, uh, with the kids in the classroom and Kathleen, you know, Kathleen is very exuberant. She's very happy. She's a bubbly little person and she tries to start teaching them how to read. And she realizes that they don't know how to read. And then she calls on this one kid to explain what happens in the rhyme of the ancient mariner. And then he gets so scared that he's going to get punished that he wets himself. You know, yeah. and so she goes to Father Buckley, and who's the headmaster essentially? And she's like, "I just don't understand. You know, these kids—they, they—they've been brutalized. Like that's <coughs> her word. She uses the word brutalized. Yeah. And he has the fucking nerve to say that they're like wildflowers that need to be replanted in rich soil.
0: Oh, it's fucking disgusting. Like it that is,
1: allegory. Ugh."
0: It it was like, oh my god. Yeah, he he essentially said
1: that they have to get rid of all of the, you know, get rid of all of the dirt and all of the muck of where they previously were and put them in a new place and tenderly, you know, tend to them and shit. And I'm like, fucking hell, dude. Like, gross. But But that's the thing.
0: That's what people thought. Yeah. That's what... Like, there's still people out there that think this way. I mean, there's a Canadian senator, um, I want to say Lynn uh, Bechdel, I think is her name. But recently, she said something along the lines of, um, yeah, there's, you know, some things that happened during the residential schools, but it really wasn't that bad. I'm, of course, paraphrasing, but it's like, fuck H-1 you. Fuck? Yeah, like, you have no idea, because... You lived your regular,
1: you know, happy little life, but she uh, and that's sounds. The, she sounds like a Confederate slavery apologist. Yeah, well, there like were exactly. some bad slave owners, but they weren't all bad. Yes, they were because they owned people.
0: <laughs> but the, that's the fuck. thing. And like one of the documentaries that I watched, somebody pointed out, you know, if this system was so good, why wasn't this used for every Canadian child? Right. Because yeah, it, exactly. it, it was just one race of children that were in this school system. And that's what makes it fucked up and racist. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so Comey ends up developing this relationship with this girl, Rachel, but she also notices that what happens is at night, this really bitch of this bitch of a teacher, I don't know her name. Uh, I didn't bother to look it up. She's, they say her name a couple of times, but I can't remember. Anyway, she's blonde and, uh, she wakes up in the middle of the night and almost every night calls Rachel into her room. And it is heavily implied that she is sexually abusing Rachel. They never explicitly say it and I'm pretty sure it's because it was a TV movie, but it is heavily implied that that's what's happening. And Comey, you know is like, what well the yeah, hug, because there's great. a point where like they hug, yeah, well, they hug right at that mm-hmm. you know moment or whatever
0: because um, there's a moment where uh, like this is just before Comey is like,, um, oh, Rachel's like, I'm hungry, and then Comey's like, let's go get some of this food." and Rachel's like, no, you can't fucking do that, like we're gonna get in trouble, but like Rachel, or Comey is like, yeah. I was like, "Fuck it, gonna do it," and then I'm she hungry. she took every, yeah, <laughs> took the food and like you know fed everybody. So
1: and Edith come down there wanting to say shit, calls her a bush Indian. Comey's like, "Why don't you just fucking eat?" It's, it's yeah. great. And then right after that is when you know like bitch lady teacher comes in and takes Rachel to a room. Um. So. One of the things that Comey ends up doing is like a sweet grass ritual. And I think it's to like help Rachel. I, I can't remember exactly because it's been a couple yeah. of days since I watched it. Um, But then she ends up getting beaten for it. And Kathleen just, you know, she's like, there's no need to beat her. But she doesn't do anything else beyond that because she feels like it's not like, you know, it's a violation of her job. Like she has to do her job and her job is to reeducate these kids. And that's what you do to reeducate them back then is you beat the fuck out of them. So she doesn't really say anything. But she does end up kind of creating a relationship with Comey you know getting her getting down to Comey's level in a way that's understanding you know Kathleen is you know she's empathetic she is a good teacher and she's able to teach Comey English by you know learning those native words that Comey is telling her you know so for Um, eyes ears nose face apple all that stuff it was a good scene
0: yeah, so the um, Comey is uh, from the Cana, I think I'm pronouncing that right, uh, tribe, which uh, is um, a, a large tribe in Alberta, uh, southern Alberta. So um, that is the language that is being taught.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> After, um, Comey, like, th- this continues for a while, you know, Comey and Pita are kind of settling in, but then Comey sees her brother Pita getting hurt, and so they decide to run away, but they end up getting brought back to the school by Taggart. But, because they get brought back, like, all of the kids are like, yay, you did great, you know, like, they, they're greeted as heroes by the other kids. Yeah. Um... <laughs> And right after this, she gets news that her brother and father are dead from a sickness in her village. And this part made me sob. Yeah. Like, because she she, 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 Kathleen tells her that, you know, her father and brother both died. And this is Comey's only connection to, you know, like... She had her her parents and her brother, and now they're both gone. They're all gone, and so she goes to the uh, the 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 um what's the word I'm looking for uh, solitary confinement room, and she just starts mourning, and she she mourns by singing, and she's just rocking back and forth and mourning, and yeah, she does it for a whole day or two just non-stop and then she goes and she goes out into you know into the field and builds a little little altar by a tree and just starts like pouring sand over her head and weeping openly and oh god it's so bad you know here's here's this poor kid who's lost everything and she's being brutalized in this fucking school and she's been taken away from everything she's ever known and Yeah. really upset me <laughs> Ugh. it's uh it's fucking sad it it's it's disgusting like in the sense that the like the movie itself is not a true story right comey was not real you no know?
0: but but it takes inspiration from you know different stories uh from like from survivors yeah. Which and people started speaking about this in the 19 the 1980s.
1: Yeah. It's just it's it's fucking it's so awful and it I see a lot of similarities watching this movie with what the US is doing in some places. And we we speak out, we do what we can, but then you have a very large percentage of the population who don't do anything. And they just get by with it, and they dehumanize people that aren't white, and it's just, it's so infuriating and sad at the same time, and yeah, it just, it, I know, like, I'm not trying to make it about me and my feelings because, like, that's insensitive, but it is infuriating to fight as hard as you do and have people, you know, like, just... Like today, news got out that a 16-year-old kid that was being held at the border uh, died, and he'd been a, he'd been there a week. And it's the second one, second kid that's died in U.S. custody in the past two weeks, or maybe the third, and like the fifth since December. Like, and it, and it's
0: not just that there's thousands at this point of kids who are being taken away from their parents, yeah. and put somewhere else.
1: Yeah, and there's no record of who their parents were before they were taken. And so what we're seeing now at the border with the Trump administration is very, very similar to the cultural genocide that we saw with residential schools, except this time they're targeting Latino people, Latinx people, instead of indigenous people. And it's disgusting. And people make excuses for them or dehumanize the you know refugees that are coming here seeking asylum only to have their children ripped from their arms and their children be brutalized and put in cages and given mylar jackets and moldy fucking food to eat and you know it's just it's fucking disgusting and watching this movie and you know it just it brings up all of this horrible shit that's going on in the U.S. right now. It really does. And I still feel like nobody talks about it enough. The mainstream media is more, more likely to focus on a stupid Trump tweet than they are to actually focus on his horrendous policies. And it's because he drives up their ratings and they're more concerned about their ratings than they are about the truth. And Yeah. It it just it fucking sucks because it feels like you're screaming into a void, saying "Hey, this is disgusting," and it's getting drowned out by all the noise. Yeah. So. <sighs> anyway, back to this movie. Um, she she after after she does the morning, Kathleen, you know, embraces her and lets her cry, and and then after that, Comey basically starts to involve herself more. Uh, she learns English. She learns how to read. Uh, then we have this nativity scene. So she's been there for a few months. They have this nativity scene. Yeah. And it just made me sick to my stomach. I gotta be honest. Because it's all well, these yeah, white people. Have...
0: <laughs> well, exactly. They have all, like, they, you know, invited all of the white folk from uh, the nearby village to come and see, you know, the the native children Uh, do a Christmas pageant, basically, right?
1: And they're so fucking uh, proud of themselves and patting themselves on the shoulder and treating those kids like they were perfectly trained animals. Yeah, exactly. Um, And that's where, you know, Comey
0: uh, goes and she, you know, does this reading uh, for, you know, the group of people. And we kind of see this uh, one lady, an older woman who, I guess, you know, gives a lot of money to the residential schools um, mm-hmm. who's you know like so impressed that oh this you know this young girl who used to live out in the bush with you know the other little natives is uh, speaking nice English and doing so well and it's like oh,
1: wow. holy fuck <laughs> yeah like you racist bitch um, yeah. so and, and she takes a very expressed interest in Comey And then, you know, uh, Comey, you know, I think it was that night or later on, she ends up uh, having a discussion with Rachel because throughout this movie, you see that blonde teacher bitch calling Rachel into her room. And, you know, you know what's going on. And Callie's like, I don't understand. You know, you should tell someone. And Rachel said, there's no use in telling anybody. You know, like, you just got to suck it up and you got to deal with it. Because they're powerless. They feel powerless. The school has stripped away any sort of power they might feel, you know, to assimilate them. And it's just disgusting. So, Uh, this is when...
0: Um, Is this when Rachel? No, not yet.
1: Yeah, it's after this that we find out that um, the widow lady wants to adopt Comey. Yeah. Never mind that we saw Comey's mother at the beginning, and nobody said she was dead. Like her father and brother are supposed to be dead, but she's not dead. Yeah. Um. And (laughs) then Rachel, or no, the widow lady asks comey what she wants to be when she grows up but she uses the name amelia she goes well what do you want to be when you grow up amelia and comey's like i want to be a woman you know like because to her and her culture being a woman is one of the most important things you could be you are you are a vision of immortality because you live immortally if you have children like you live through your children and your children's children it's very powerful you know to think about and she wants to be that she wants that legacy so, and this is when she gets her first yeah. period is, like, right after this. <laughs> and it's oh, so sad okay. because she, yeah, she goes to Kathleen and she's like, well, what's the white, what's the white ritual for becoming a woman? And Kathleen's like, oh, well, we don't talk about that, honey. You just go in your room and, you know, go to the nurse, get something for it. You know, we don't talk about that. And Which is really you know, sad Connie's if like, you think really about upset. it. Well, yeah, because if you think about it, right, like,
0: well, because in their, you know, in their culture, they, you know, they embrace that, you know, uh, womanhood and like, you know, what a period is. And um,
1: yeah, they have a big, huge ceremony celebrating it. Exactly. And and Comey's disappointed because she's like, white people don't fucking do this. What the fuck? This is so messed up. And so she goes to Esther And, you know, Esther and, you know, she and Esther, well, she and Esther kind of get into a fight at first. You know, she's like, I don't understand you. Like, why the fuck are you being like this? You know, I respected you because you stood up to them and now you don't. Um, But after their fight, you know, Comey asks her to help her with a ritual, you know. So Esther does. Esther helps her up. You know, they, they do it in secret and they basically have, you know, Comey's ceremony like she saw her best friend have. And it's so sweet. And it's so beautiful. And that's the part where they talk about how, you know, to have children is to be immortal. It's pretty fucking cool. Um, so, after this, or while this is happening, we see Comey and Pita's brother and father come up to the school. Yeah. And ask for them. And fucking Father Buckley... Is like, uh, there's nobody here by that name, cause they use, um, Comey and Peta's real names instead of Amelia and Abraham. Yeah, they're Christian names, and Kathleen just stands there in shock. And after, the you know, after Buckley says, you know, there's a town two miles down where they might be at that residential school kathleen confronts buckley and she's like well i don't understand why you would lie to them like that like why you told comey that her parent and her father and brother are dead and they're alive and yeah this is the most infuriating part of the movie and this movie is, this part father buckley says looks at kathleen and basically says Would you rather her waste her potential or like, would you rather her grow up and have all of this potential that we've given her by making her more white? Or would you rather her go back to her people where she has no future and she'll be bedded by a bevy of men and give birth to a brood of bastards. And the thing about this is, yeah, the thing about this is, Is you've taken a child out of her home, out of her culture, and you have put all of these expectations on her and molded her and forced her to have what you think is a good life. Yeah. Like the worst thing about all of this is the idea that white people, white Christians know better, you know?
0: Well, that's, that's and, the basis of, like, colonialism is that white people came in and they were like, uh, I don't know what the fuck you guys are doing, but, like, we know what we're doing and we're going to, like, throw uh, our culture on top of you guys or, you know, we're just going to kill you.
1: Yeah, like, assimilate or die is essentially... That's, that's essentially what colonialism world, world is and has been for
0: yeah
1: let's be honest like well, the majority you know, the of the world in, uh... has been like except for except for the far east pretty much all of the world has been influenced by british colonial rule like they they destroyed wherever they went like so many countries in africa uh the indigenous people of australia um india until the uprisings that forced them out um you know the indigenous people of canada and the u.s like slavery you know that kind of stuff like holy fuck man like we have a horrifying brutal history
0: yeah yeah white people are the worst well it's it's like that part in pocahontas when you know her father is like these white men are dangerous and it's like that is history
1: world history world history in one sentence these white men are dangerous like
0: honestly what should have happened was uh they should have you know like not become friends with us because we ruined shit like and then maybe we would have gone back to you know Europe like the Vikings did
1: <laughs> oh Jesus Christ like we have Just absolutely it happened. Not, not you know like historically white people have absolutely no fucking respect for anything that is not non-white <laughs> no well, yeah respect. that's why
0: that's why we wear you know Indian hair headdresses at fucking Coachella and put dreads you know, in
1: our hair and think, "Oh, we're so fucking cute." Or they're you know, we dreds, go. They're mats, or we say
0: stuff like, "Oh yeah, I won sixteenth chief Grand Cherokee."
1: Oh, chief Grand Cherokee! <laughs> that's a car. I needed that. I needed that laugh. That, that's a car. A Jeep Grand Cherokee. Yeah. Or you know,
0: my great grandmother was a uh, Native American princess. And it's like, oh, I'm oh sorry, God, those don't always. actually fucking exist, so shut well, the fuck up. Well, I mean, out. that's the
1: same thing, that's the same thing that Elizabeth Warren grew up on, like, I grew up on that too, like, every white person has, like, a great-great-grandmother or great-great-grandfather that was Native American, nine times out of ten, it's Cherokee for some fucking reason, you know, like, and Elizabeth Warren, you know, she's like, that's the lie that she grew up with, and and then it turns out it's not true, Surprise!
0: Yeah, You know well, that's, you know, like, when people tell themselves that lie so they can, you know, they're like, well, I'm part something, so I have a say about it. And it's like,
1: no, you're all yeah, white. No. <laughs> it's just like me. There ain't yeah. nothing in me but European. I'm, I'm white all over. I'm Welsh, Irish, English, you know, all that fucking shit. You're so white that you're thing. see-through. White people are right and white people are so obsessed with their ancestry and it's like you know and then the thing is is white people have an identity right you know we get to say we're irish we get to say we're welsh okay people that uh are indigenous or people who are the descendants of slaves they don't get that you know they don't get that identity because they don't necessarily know where their people came from because white people destroyed that connection and also the records chattel and slavery. Stuff, yeah. Like those and, those and were, records. Exactly. Well, Exactly. Like,
0: see, I'm able to, you know, trace back my family to 15th century France or whatever the fuck. Right. But yeah. some people don't have that fucking luxury. And yeah. no.
1: And that's why when people are like, Oh, well, how come there's not a white history month? There are cultural history months. You know? Like, there's Asian America Month. There's uh, Black History Month. The reason that it's called Black History Month is because the black population, you know, the great majority of the black population in the U.S. is descended from slavery, and people who had descendants who were slaves don't get the luxury of knowing if they're Nigerian or Zimbabwean or Egyptian or Algerian or anything like that. They don't get that luxury because they don't know. And like, that's what irritates me about the why isn't there a white history month? Shut the fuck up. There's an Irish heritage month. There's, you know, Spanish heritage week. And like, you know, like from Spain, not, you know, Latina American. Or Latino, Latinx American. But, like, shut the fuck up about that shit. Yeah. Oh, God. I know I'm going off on so many tangents, but...
0: Well, it's because, <laughs> like, really. you know, this this history... Like, this little part of history encompasses so much of what colonial colonialism, like, stands by. Right? Or, like, what it is. Yeah. And all of the different policies and the things that came about. So... And we're seeing the, um, the after, repercussions. Well, yeah, the repercussions to this day. Like this shit hasn't changed. You know, we're starting to talk about it more, but you know, whether it's uh, the shit going down at the U.S. border or you know how uh, First Nations people are treated in Canada today, uh, which is not very well. First Nation, okay. There's a lot of First Nations people shit.
1: in. Yeah, First Nations people in the U.S. aren't treated very well either. You know, like, statistically, um, a Native American male is more likely to be gunned down by an officer than any other race. Native American male. Yeah. Um, it's like that scene from uh, Adam's Family Values, right? Where Wednesday plays Pocahontas, quote-unquote, and she does that whole little speech where she's like... Uh, your people will drink highballs and mine will sell bracelets by the roadside you know like essentially what she says is we have white privilege and you can suck it yeah
0: <laughs>
1: you know she basically makes the joke about cultural like it's not a joke but she makes it you know a point a very valid one about what happens to indigenous people because they trusted white people
0: yeah
1: it's oh, fucking white people huh. <sighs> yeah
0: Yeah. so um anyway so to go Um, back to the movie
1: yeah so kathleen of course after she hears that brood of bastard shit that buckley says she doesn't say a word she doesn't she doesn't go after you know she doesn't go after comey's father and brother she just she lets it go and this is just as bad as saying the awful shit that buckley did It's complicit being complicit and Kathleen was complicit, which makes her just as fucking racist. I know that's a hard thing for people to understand, but if you are complicit, you are siding with the oppressor. You know, if you're silent, you side with the oppressor. It's what Martin Luther King Jr. said. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't the oppressors he was worried about. He was worried about the people that were silent and allowed the oppressor to be oppressive. So speak the fuck up. And I'm not talking Twitter hashtags.
0: I love you, Gracie. (laughs)
1: Listen, I told Ashlyn before we started, this bitch was going to get me heated. It's fucking true, because, you
0: know, we, we look at, you know, Kathleen as being like, oh, she's one of the good white people. And it's like, oh, no. But she's not. No. she She's as fucked up as, if not, you know,
1: worse than... Because she allows it to happen instead of speaking up. Yeah. Like, this is why when we tell you you have white privilege, it's not supposed to piss you off. It's supposed to make you say, hey, let me use my privilege to help people that don't have the same opportunities, the same sort of uh you know like w- ability to be heard you know like it's not a bad thing to have white privilege it's learning to use, utilize that and to be an actual ally like I don't know why this is such a fucking hard concept to understand but people hear white privilege and, and they think that means something it doesn't
0: and that's why I wanted to do this uh for Canadian film month because I wanted to use this platform to tell this story.
1: Yeah. And we're at a really fucked up part of the movie now. And uh, this is the part in the movie where after Kathleen decides to be complicit, you know, Comey Comey and Rachel have another another, uh, talk about Rachel's abuse. And then rachel decides to run away
0: yeah so because
1: rachel had just seen her mother and wanted to go to her mother and her mother's people her people yeah but what ends up happening is she runs away and she's gone for three or four days almost a week and then taggart brings back her dead body because she wasn't strong enough the reason to keep up
0: like with the ele- uh, elements and stuff um, so this uh, this part of the movie is reminiscent of uh, what happened to uh, Chani uh, Wenjack um, who was a young uh, First Nations boy um, Ojibwe actually um, who went to a school uh, near Kenora Ontario and he left that school and was trying to walk home. And his home was 600 miles away from um, the residential school. And uh, he ended up dying on the side of um, train tracks because of the elements. Because he only had like um, a, ja- a light jacket on. Uh, and he was trying to walk all that way. And um, that story kind of, it is one of the things that did kick off, um, because this happened in 1966, and then it was a year later when it was published um, in McLean's magazines, but it kind of kicked off uh, at least the Canadians, um, like people talk, um, speaking up against uh, residential schools and how? Yeah. because...
1: What, and it kind of trickled
0: down. Well, what brings a yeah. 12-year-old boy to try to leave, you know, this school to walk 600 miles away? It's not fucking good, that's yeah. for sure.
1: Yeah, and this is something that gets brought up at Rachel's funeral in the movie, where Taggart, who is a professional kidnapper for the government of, of Canada, is like what would make her want to run away you know and then i'm fucking done but like i don't give a shit about you taggart up until this moment you've been pretty fucking complicit and what are you gonna do you're just gonna go pout and make it all about you off in a corner somewhere it's not about you taggart (laughs) yeah i'm through with this good for you fuck off if you're not gonna do anything but you should have You know, again, use your white male privilege to help these poor kids out. Raise your voice. Make your voice be heard. Say, hey, this is fucked up. Instead, you just throw a hissy fit at the funeral and you never get seen again. Yep. But, after this, oh... And the real thing that pissed me off was that white lady with the blonde hair, that fucking teacher, crying in her fucking rocking chair like oh. she had lost somebody special. Fuck you, bitch. What a cunt. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. You know, Ashley, y'all have been listening to You're this not podcast. fucking wrong. I don't use, I don't use that, that word no. very often. That's a word
0: I use, because I'm an awful person, so... But, no. I do not not use
1: that word often. But she is well deserving of that title. And nothing pisses me off more than a woman who is complicit in patriarchy. Not just that. She was a fucking abuser. Exactly. Like, fuck you, bitch. Fuck you. Uh, And and that's the fact
0: of what happened to these children. Because, uh, like... There was abuse, and there was a sexual abuse, like, at all of these schools. There was children dying, and it, so that's what this story is essentially telling, is, you know, it's trying and to encompass all of And nobody has the real
1: numbers, and and you don't get real numbers, because no. records were destroyed or hidden, so you don't know exactly how many kids were in these schools. You don't know how many actually died. You don't know how many were sexually abused. You don't know how many were physically abused. You know, so you don't you don't know any insane. of it because there's no fucking record.
0: Well yeah, like I mean they've they've kind of been estimating, but they said about a hundred and fifty uh hundred or yeah, hundred and fifty thousand children over the last century, uh, but it could be more. And then uh for the children Um, that died, Uh, somebody did a study about different uh, residential schools in in the 1930s and he found between 14 to 24 of the children uh, percent of the children died, Uh, so it's been estimated about 6,000 children if not uh, more, three times that, uh, died over the course of a hundred years.
1: So one in every four kids, basically, that went into these residential schools, did not make it out alive. Possibly, yeah. And that's a lowball number. Uh, well, yeah, six, yeah, six thousand, yeah,
0: like six thousand, six thousand children. But we don't talk about it, because that's just statistics.
1: Yeah, it's just a, but well, like statistics aren't the same as stories. But like, I, but, I mean, that's that's the amount of a small
0: of a small town or like a yeah. a medium-sized town like that's a lot of fucking children
1: actually you've been to where i live our city has about 6000 people in it that's yeah. a whole city of where i live a whole city yeah. of kids fucking killed yeah either by the abuse yeah. or the neglect or taking their own life because they couldn't handle it or trying to run away and then the or trying to run away yeah and,
0: uh, and I have, like, more, uh, more things to say about this, but I think uh, I'll leave that till the end.
1: Yeah, we're almost done, thankfully. Yeah. Uh, so, after Rachel's funeral, Comey, you know, Comey and the others build a funeral altar for her and place her body on it in a traditional manner. And because they did something traditional and non-Christian, they have to be punished. And... PETA is about to get the ever-loving shit out of him beaten by this guy that has been an antagonist throughout the whole movie. I can't remember his name. But before he does, this one kid, George, who uh, Comey had had kind of a little flirting with, you know, they were like 13, 14 years old, that sort of thing, you know. They they made a cute joke about how they were going to go to Hawaii together, you know. Oh, yeah. That kind of thing. Oh, yeah, because, like, he... Yeah, so he... George ends up... Uh, going to bat for Peta and is like no you're not gonna you know you're not gonna beat him and then they get into this big fight with the guy and they beat him up and then george gets arrested and taken away in handcuffs yeah and we don't know what happened to him but i'm gonna bet it was awful
0: but i think that's also a representation of like uh what this uh all of this that um, that has happened, um, like with the residential schools, and you know where where things happen because there there are a large amount of um, First Nation uh, men who go to jail. Yeah. So I, I that um, was what so that representation. is. it's just like it is down is. here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And what did he get punished for? Defending himself. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. But they didn't care. He hit a white guy. It's lucky he wasn't lynched, you know? And that's saying something about how fucking horrible it was. Because I can tell you right now, you know, with what happened in the South, as someone that has grown up in a Southern town and uh, seen the kind of racism that I have, I've, I've grown up around it. And it's like it's very similar to why people just don't like to talk about their bad history. They try to downplay it. They try to say, Oh, it wasn't as bad as it's made out to be, which is why like in high school, I didn't have a very clear understanding of any of this, but listening to history podcasts, reading books like uh, lies. My teacher told me, you know, and Reading history books and realizing that, you know, essentially we get fed this idea that it wasn't that bad when actually it was fucking horrific. And it's why Ashley and I bring up the dollop so much, because they cover a lot of this really bad, awful stuff. Yeah. And, yeah, they try to make you laugh, but, I mean, they've done, they, they, it just. It's a lot. <laughs> it's, I, I know I'm kind of babbling. It's just... It's a lot. <coughs> um, so, anyway. Uh, Comey is supposed to go and stay with this widow lady she's going to adopt. And while Edith is being punished for building the funeral thing for Rachel, she overhears Kathleen and Father Buckley discussing the fact that her father and her brother are still alive and looking for her and her brother and edith goes and tell well comey goes to you know tell her goodbye and she's like yeah i'm going to that rich fucking white lady's house and uh you know edith is like listen you know kathleen which whatever her last name was but kathleen and uh father buckley are we're talking about how your parents are still alive. Like, they're still alive and they're lying to you and you're going to go live off with this white fucking lady. And at first, Comey's like, no, they wouldn't lie to me. But then it kind of, you know, she's like, you know what? You wouldn't lie to me, Edith. So she, Edith, and Peta all make plans to leave. And this time they're going to take a fucking horse because they didn't do it last time. And And then Edith decides that she can't do it because Edith is not like Comey or Peta in the fact that she has been born and raised in an orphanage. Yeah, she doesn't know she doesn't know her history at all because she was taken away when she was small. Yeah, you know, still a baby. Which is and so Edith is sad. like, listen, I can't, I can't. Yeah, it is, and she says I can't go with you, but. You know, I I wish you luck. And so, Peta and Comey are running away with the horse. And then the white lady shows up to adopt Comey, but Comey's not there. She's gone. Kathleen grabs a horse, and she goes to, you know, she catches up with Comey and Peta, and then she apologizes and, and then asks for forgiveness, which Comey does forgive her. Yeah. And then Comey and Peta ride off. And the last part of the movie is one sentence that says that the last two residential schools closed in 1988, which is not true.
0: Which is not true.
1: Because
0: when this movie came out, there were still residential schools. The last, yeah, it, the last residential school operated by the Canadian government was the Gordon Indian residential school in Saskatchewan. And it closed in
1: 1996. Which is seven years after this movie. movie. (laughs) Yeah. Yikes. Um, before Ashlyn gets into the Canadian part of it, I do want to mention a few things that I had looked up because Aisling looked up a lot of stuff. Um, so, for the, for the U.S., there are actually still uh, residential schools in operation. Uh, there's four. Um, now, these four schools are still run by what's known as the U.S. government's Bureau of Indian Education. But these residential schools um, are not the same as they were before. Now, between 1869 and the 1960s, it is likely that hundreds of thousands of Native American children were removed from their homes and families and placed in boarding schools operated by the federal government and churches. Though we don't know how many children were taken in total by 1900, by 1900, there were 20,000 children in Indian boarding schools. And by 1925, there were 60,000. So, in a five-year span, it went from 20 to 60. Uh, The U.S. Native children that were voluntarily or forcibly removed from their homes, families, and communities during this time were taken to schools far away where they were punished for speaking their native language. They were banned from acting in any way that might be represented as a traditional or cultural practice. They were stripped of their traditional clothing, their hair was cut, their personal belongings were taken away. Um, they suffered physical, sexual, cultural, and spiritual abuse and neglect, and experienced treatment that in many cases con- constituted torture, just for speaking in their native language. Um, many of these children never returned home, and their fates have yet to be accounted for by the U.S. government. Um, there was actually an episode of, I don't know if you remember this, Lane, but Unsolved Mysteries with Robert Stack. Did you, yeah. ever, did you ever watch that? Well, no. I actually remember learning about residential schools watching that TV show because it was about an indigenous woman who was trying to find her family because she had been taken by this white couple when she had been, like, seven years old from her parents. Shit. And she was trying to reconnect with them through the show. So it's like... And that show came out in the late 80s, <laughs> early 90s. So, I mean, it's still pretty fucking recent to, you know, it's like the civil rights movement. You know, there are people alive that lived through it still. That, yeah. That's how recent it is. Ugh. But yeah, all, but, all of yeah, them, like, that's I'm going gonna... the to. We
0: can't. Go
1: ahead.
0: Sorry, your mic keeps like cutting out and then there's like a long can you hear me
1: yeah I can hear you just
0: fine yeah yeah like there's a your mic keeps cutting out for like long periods of like like a full two seconds and then I'm just like that's why like our our sounds gonna be like
1: way off because of that I'm sorry you have to edit it it's not your fault (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, well, my my mic is giving me a bitch fit. I really got to get a new one. Um, But all of of my information, I'm going to link it up on our Facebook and Twitter. Um, Might be multiple Twitter posts, um, but all of our sources I am going to put up. So if people want to read more, like I have some stuff from BoardingSchoolHealing.org and uh, NPR, so... Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely link up. Uh, but, Aisling, why don't you uh, tell us more about the Canadian residential schools?
0: Um, so, there's a lot of fucking information, by the way. Um, but the, the thing that I want to mm-hmm. kind of focus on is, um, like, it was cultural genocide. Um, yeah. And it wasn't until 2008 uh, when it was... Um, when there was a public apology that was done by Prime Minister Stephen Harper um, on behalf of the Government of Canada and uh, the leaders of other federal parties uh, in the House of Commons. Uh, Nine days previous, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission uh, was established to uncover the truth about the schools. The commission gathered about Uh, 7,000 statements from residential school survivors through public and private meetings at various local, regional, and national events across Canada. Seven national events uh, were held between 2008-2013 commemorating the experience of former students of residential schools. And in 2015, the uh, TRC concluded uh, with the establishment of the National Center for Truth and Reconciliation and the publication of the multi-volume report detailing the testimonies of survivors and historical documents from the time. Uh, the TRC report uh, found that um, the school system amounted to cultural genocide yes. um,
1: and there is a that's...
0: lot of information uh, that of stuff that has happened and and I really can't just tell it all in one podcast uh, but what I can do is give you, Uh, If you want to, like, learn more, there's some amazing documentaries out there that you can go and check out. Uh, There's Sleeping Children Awake, which was from 1992. Um, There's also We Were Children, which was from 2012. Um, And then uh, another one, uh, which is an American documentary called Our Spirits Don't Speak English from 2008. Uh, there's websites like the WhereAreTheChildren.ca uh, that has timelines, stories, uh, resources about uh, what happened to these children at re- residential schools. Um, there is also a lot of sadness uh, in the in the different communities from this uh, because there's you know there's uh first nations people you know today whose you know parents and grandparents uh went through this and that that well i mean in shit, the us it creates, sorry
1: i was just going to say you know it's basically um in the us they call it the lost generation because you did you lost an entire generation or two or even three Generations of Indigenous people and their culture, and you know, completely wiped them out. In Canada, and they didn't they have to kill them to do it. Generations, yeah. Um,
0: and, and that that becomes like repercussions for the next generation, and it's going to take this generation. Like that healing is not going to happen this generation. It's going to take several different. Uh, different generations for that healing, for that, you know, ongoing, um, like from, you know, the different forms of abuse uh, to kind of like be, um, be rectified. And that's why I think that, you know, there are things that people have done that are like steps in the right direction, but I still don't think it's
1: enough. Mm-mm and it ties into the idea because, i mean of there's insti- i was saying it ties into the idea of institutionalized racism which you know people like to say does not exist but if it didn't exist we wouldn't have uh, you know all of this horrifying shit that we're still trying to educate people on because you know like I said, the kind of education I did, if I hadn't have self-educated or, you know, learned from other people about what really happened, I'd be just as ignorant as others. Well, that's you the thing. Know? Like, this was a legacy
0: because of the system. Uh, and there is a huge increase um, of post-traumatic stress, alcoholism, substance abuse, and suicide oh. uh, that persist in indigenous communities today. Um and, and there's a lot of it like I mean there's there were stories coming out um like as recently as you know uh, a couple of months ago of uh indigenous children in some of these far out like communities uh, on the reserves of you know wanting to kill themselves or or killing themselves like like 12 year olds and stuff it's yeah
1: obviously I, I don't you're, have you're all of it, the... yeah you're not telling me anything that I'm surprised by. I mean, I'm horrified, but I'm not surprised. Like, you can't, you can't like, abuse and destroy an entire generation and then there not be repercussions. You know? Like,
0: and just... And, And that's the thing, there, like, there is still racist attitudes in mainstream Canadian society, uh, Like, to this day, and it's—I don't want to say it's mind-boggling, because it's not. It's not at all. Like, there, there's horrible, horrible things that everyday, you know, Canadians that think that they're just normal, good people believe of First Nations uh, people. Like, it's— there is so much systematic um, racism in Canada that we don't like to talk about but I I I consider myself somebody who like I'm I'm not as proud of uh, of being a Canadian as I once was uh, because of because of this <coughs> I'm sorry I'm just getting over a cold so um,
1: it's okay there's
0: that So, um, but that's why I wanted Uh, to bring it up for Canadian film month, because I feel it's a very important thing to talk about. Do I have all the answers? No, I'm like one person. Uh, but
1: there's a lot of fun. But be an ally, reach out. Like, you know, we're not, we're not dumb. We know the vast majority of people that listen to us are white, you know, like, be an ally. Step up. Do more than what you're doing now. Like, call your representatives. I don't know exactly how it works in Canada, but call your representatives. Take part in activism. There are plenty of websites and organizations that you can get involved with to try and raise awareness about things or try to amend things, raise money for things. Um, uh, donate if you, you know, if you're not able-bodied. Well, enough communities to do communities
0: uh, have events all the time.
1: Yeah, like, well, if like you feel small like
0: you're not able watch uh, enough. Sorry, you keep, like, cutting go me ahead. off, so. Um, I'm sorry. Well, like, small communities, no, it's okay. The- there's, like, this weird delay, so it's, uh, like, I say something and then, like, a full, like, three seconds later, um, you finally hear it or something, so it's, like, it's not your fault. Mm-hmm. It's because whatever's going on with Facebook, fuck you, Mark Zuckerberg, you bastard. Um, anyways, I think we're going to
1: record on discord from now on.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, so there, there are things that you can do. Uh, many communities, um, uh, you know, have, uh, events for reconciliation, uh, to get information, uh, to talk to, like that's the most important thing. People need to start fucking talking about it. You need to listen to, um, To people who've, you know, either have gone through this or uh, their parents or grandparents. Um, I think that white people just need to, like, I mean, I'm talking right now, but, um, and and there's really only so much that, like, we can do because we are just two white chicks on a podcast, but um, shut up and fucking listen. Like, that's, that's all, like, that's the first step to, you know, doing something about this.
1: Also, don't rely on somebody else to educate you. Thank you. Educate yourself. And do not do not talk over someone when they're trying to explain something to you by making apologistic things like, not all white people, I'm an ally. Like, you don't have to, you know, reassert yourself if you are actually what you say you are. Just fucking do it, you know? Yeah. Just, Just fucking do it. Um, And there are ways of doing it, even if you're not able-bodied, even if you don't have money. Um, There are plenty of organizations that help that kind of thing. Like, there are ways for you to, you know, shout out and, you know, take a stand and do stuff about it. And it doesn't necessarily have to do with just indigenous people and the issues that, you know, they face because of all of this horrific shit that happened. It, it, It counts everywhere else, too use your privilege for good you know so uh okay uh we are gonna link um most of our research up in a post so you can follow up uh with articles and stuff now (laughs) this is the feminist critique so we're gonna go ahead and do those tests
0: oh yeah i forgot about
1: that yeah we need to do that part um so our first test is the Bechdel test, which is two named female characters on screen alone talking about something other than a man. This happens several times, so it's pass. Uh, Racial Bechdel test: two people on screen alone who are <coughs> non-white having having a conversation about other people or something other than a white person, and this happens several times, so it's pass. O'Mori, do you have a female character? whose character arc isn't about pushing a male narrative forward. And the answer is we do, so it's pass. And then we have uh the Duvernay test, which is a person of color who has a story arc not about pushing a white narrative forward. And I would say this is a pass because it's about Comey and how Comey manages to live through all of this abuse and escape. Yeah. Uh, then we have the sexy lamp test. Can you replace a named female character with a sexy lamp from a Christmas story and it not take away from the plot? You could replace the old widow lady. Like, she never really does have to show up on screen. She has a name. I don't remember it. Um, so it's a fail there. And then we have the Vito Russo test, which is, um, someone who represents as part of the gender or sexuality minority, GSM. Um community and uh they have merit and they're not just a stereotype of their gender or sexuality uh and unfortunately that's a fail there's i mean like the only person we get as far as lgbtq play- qa plus representation is the pedophile so that's a very negative stereotype uh that's often associated with gender or sexuality minority people so, no go, definite fail. Um overall, not bad. Uh, do I think this film is feminist? I think that Comey...
0: I think she has a very feminist story.
1: Yes, she's a survivor, you know. Definitely think that this this movie is about her survival. And it's definitely got a very feminist sort of attitude because, in the end, she saves herself, right? Uh, we hope because it kind of ends ambiguously yeah. with we don't know if she makes it or not, but I like to think she did. Um, now, do I think this movie is good? Yes, it's very good. Um, it's not this most of the time with TV movies like this, you get this <laughs> super melancholy, like melodramatic bullshit. Um, this movie, honestly, I'm surprised that it was a TV movie, because it could have been released mainstream, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I I enjoyed it, even though I got very angry, (laughs) but not at the movie itself, but rather at the history, so, which is a common thing for a history buff like me to get angry (laughs) and frustrated, so... Uh, what did you think, Azalean? I enjoyed you it. Picked-
0: um, I got angry, but I mean, duh. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, not like, like that's expected. Yeah, so,
1: and it's it's not like you know um, MAGA hat anger where people are like mad at minorities or something. Like it's righteous anger because it's like. Ugh, if only people had fucking done something you know instead of just letting the shit slide Ugh. but anyway um so yeah i recommend on this yeah. you can find it on youtube for sure the, the the audio quality of the youtube video is not that great but you can still pretty you know it's still a good watch uh what movie are we doing next week
0: uh we are doing okay. the movie one week and the reason why right. we're doing the movie one week is because, um, I really like that movie, and it's, <laughs>
1: uh, it's it helped me through month.
0: a dark time in my life. Yeah. No, it, like, <laughs> that movie really represents, like, a time in my life when some shit was going down, so, uh, basically it's just gonna be me talking about my locusts and stuff, so, uh not really um, that's fantastic. that's not actually what's gonna happen but <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah. so we'll be no, doing one week, one uh, week it starts joshua
0: jackson and it's a uh, it's a good movie
1: yeah it's See, not three, three the second Barenaked delay Lady song oh we'll fix the audio and i edit. mean they are a canadian band <laughs> no we won't it's true so. It's true. Um, also, be sure to check out our Patreon, where um, I believe what are are we doing? We oh yeah, uh, we'll have our Law and Order Special Victims Unit up because uh, you know Patreon pilots. We do pilots of TV shows. Did I even uh, we've put already friends done up? Friends and the Big big. Did I put it up? Did you? Did you? You better have. Uh. It'll be out by the time this episode comes out, Ashley i um, But yeah, we'll be doing Law & Order S Huh? I'm busy. Being sick. I know you have. I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> uh, anyway, friends will be out for sure by the time you listen to this podcast. Law & Order SVU will be out before the end of the month. We are really going to try and make sure we keep on that first Thursday, <laughs> third Thursday thing. But... We got to get used to it first. Uh, all you got to do is pay a dollar and you have access to all of our uh, content on Patreon. As far as that, it's one tier. You can always give us more than a dollar, but a dollar's nice. Um, <laughs> uh, and if you want to check us out everywhere else, you can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Feminist Critique Podcast. Our Gmail, the Feminist Critique Podcast at gmail.com. I am on Twitter at South of Grace. And I also have a Discord of at South of Grace. And I think um, Tumblr isn't, you know, going to work out. I don't have time for Tumblr. But I do think that um, what I am going to do is start creating a feminist critique Discord. Okay. So uh, we'll link that up when it's all set up and I've got all the mods and bots and stuff ready. Uh, and then it can kind of pull... And
0: Gracie can teach me how Discord works, because I have no fucking idea. I'm getting fucking too old for this shit, okay? Make things easy. Sorry. It's true. Hello? Gracie, you got really quiet. I can't hear you. Well, um... Okay. Anyways, uh, this is awkward because I can't hear Gracie at all. So I'm just gonna say that we've got um, we're on Twitter as Feminist Pod, and then I'm also on both Twitter and Instagram as um, Agelines A I S L E N E S. And then I also have my Instagram for my drag name, which is Aurora Borealis. Um, and that's kind of it. So uh, thanks so much for listening. I can't hear Gracie. And uh, we'll see you guys later. Okay, bye. Gracie, did you say bye? I hope you said bye. Okay. Bye.